Yeah! On this episode of the Vermont Tawana Podcast, we talk about S16, the now official medical marijuana reform bill passed in Vermont, what that means for patients, for caregivers, and for dispensary operators, past, present, and potentially future. And then we have a feature interview with my good friend, Kevin. He is a medical patient. He is a cannabis industry professional uh, working in another state. He's a young would-be Vermonter who left the state to go pursue a career in the cannabis industry. And we talk about his experiences as a patient changing from narcotic opiate-based painkillers to medical marijuana and the consciousness he had about that issue, even from a young age. Great episode of Vermont Tawana Podcast, sponsored, presented by Hedy Vermont, hedyvermont.com. We've got some great events coming up. Go check them out. Let's ride. Put your grinder down and turn your radio up. This is the Vermont You Want a Podcast. Lighting up the airwaves. And now, here's your host, rolling it up nice and tight, Eli Herring. All right, all right. Welcome back to the Vermont Awana podcast, being recorded on a beautiful Thursday, June 8th from a friend's guest studio out here in Colchester, Vermont. So we are in the great state of Vermont. Weather is finally beautiful. So people are getting less productive, but we're back. Um, So this episode, we want to talk about what's going on with Vermont's medical marijuana reforms. This session was not a total wash, although it looks more and more like legalization is not even going to be a possibility in June. Um, There's a lot of conflict between the legislature and the administration right now over other things and uh, just really don't see it happening. But uh, there were some important medical updates that were made this year, some stuff that we were advocating for. There were a lot more people who are out there involved in medical now than uh, in the past and it's really great because some big steps were taken. So we want to start out by running through talking about the Vermont Medical Marijuana Program and what has changed with the passage of S-16. Uh, This is what the the bill's called. So we're gonna refer to it as S-16. That's the medical marijuana bill that we're talking about, okay? So, um, for a little bit of context, Vermont has always had a very conservative medical marijuana program. It's overseen by the Department of Public Safety, AKA law enforcement. To sign up, you go to a webpage where sex offenders register, right? So it's been very conservative, very small and there are only four dispensaries controlled by three different operators who are allowed to uh, to sell in the state. So again, it's been a very small program, but uh, thanks in part to some big updates last year, um, it is growing considerably. Uh, and this is great, you know, we're still not even close to where other New England states are as far as percent of the population who are registered patients. And considering Vermont is one of the oldest populations in the country, we should have a higher than normal rate. So medical is only going to continue to grow here in the great state of Vermont. Uh, And this bill is important. It makes some some, some serious updates. Uh, Right now, you, well, previously you had to have a six month relationship with a doctor in order for that physician or qualified medical professional. There's actually a few different people who can sign cards, but you had to have a six month relationship with them. That got changed to a three month relationship last year, right? So you only had to have a three month relationship with that qualified medical professional. With this year's updates, and these mostly go in uh, automatically. So as of tomorrow, Friday, June 9th, Uh, they will be officially official. So that three-month waiting period, that's going to be waived if a patient can be referred to a specialist. Okay, so uh, your doctor might not want to talk about it with you. Uh, You might have a new doctor. Uh, However, there will be now specialists who are healthcare professionals that have completed some extra training um, and have done 
So that specialist could do an assessment of your medical history, talk about your condition, give you a physical, and then sign a card like that. So that means for a lot of people who are having to find doctors, uh, if your medical professional is, is not willing to talk about it with you as a patient, your only other option right now has been to go and get a new doctor, basically. Uh, and then you would still have to wait three months until your new doctor would be allowed to sign your card. That would be changing. Um, that will be changing. So that's a great sign. People are going to get faster access and there will now be more medical professionals who are going to focus on this and hopefully um, make it easier for people to get a card because it's really difficult. It has been in Vermont relative to other states. And again, for our population, considering it's one of the oldest, um, it should be easier, not harder for them to become patients. And do what we're going to talk about with Kevin later in this episode. Trade out narcotic, opiate-based painkillers and other prescriptions for natural medical cannabis. So, waiting period, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be quicker. Um, it's going to be easier to get a card. That's a great sign. More conditions are going to be added. Okay, Crohn's disease, Parkinson's disease. Those are both huge. They're also going to add post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, provided that the applicant is undergoing psychotherapy or counseling with a licensed healthcare, mental health care provider. So that means right now the qualifying conditions have, again, been pretty strict um, historically here in Vermont. It was AIDS, it was MS, it was cancer, things of that nature. They were expanding slowly. Last year, chronic pain was added, which was huge. 40% more people uh, became patients over the last year. Think about that. With chronic pain being added as a qualifying condition, 40% increase in the number of patients in Vermont. So that tells you what kind of demand there is out there. And that was a great thing last year. This year, Crohn's disease and Parkinson's, great additions, you know, excellent. I think people have seen videos of folks online with Parkinson's getting some really, um, showing some at least snapshots of some really immediate relief. Um, PTSD, you know, that's one that lawmakers, it's really tough for them to actually put PTSD on to the paper um, and specifically qualify it because I think it's kind of risky, um, at least they think so, to include mental health and psychological, I, I guess, diseases, um, afflictions, conditions. You know, it's hard to have mental health conditions qualify um, for medical marijuana. I think there's just a lot of hesitation in parts of the community, uh, and it's something lawmakers haven't wanted to get into. So credit to Vermont lawmakers that they are willing to do that specifically. In other states, what they do is they just have a catch-all phrase that says, or other conditions deemed appropriate by a medical professional. Vermont had that phrase in the law originally, and it was taken out during the discussion process because I think they were worried it was going to be too, too broad. Um, but again, that's how, like in Massachusetts, people with PTSD, if they have a, a doctor who is willing to sign a card, that's how they can do it. They don't have to say PTSD. They can say, or other condition deemed appropriate by a medical professional. So that's a major change as well. PTSD, I think that's something that should be national news, that that's now a qualifying condition here in Vermont. Um, so again, more patient access, faster patient access, that's a great sign. The definition of an ounce is now 28.35 grams. Uh, that's a tiny, tiny change, doesn't really mean much. Originally, patients wanted to get their uh, per month allowance up to three ounces, which I think is still tiny in a fraction of what it is in other states. You know, two ounces a month, that's the current limit, and that's how it's, how it's going to remain. That's just not enough for patients, you know, especially if they're making tinctures, if they're making salves, you know, if they're trying to make edibles, um, two ounces is just nowhere near enough for them to do all those things. And even just to have enough flour. Um, if only you're, you know, if you're only smoking two joints a day, you know, that's barely enough. So I think that's something that is disappointing that there's not more possession for patients, but again, um, this is a great, those are great steps. 
those are great steps. Uh, the application process got a little bit easier uh, because now you don't have to have it notarized. Um, and your doctor's medical verification form uh, got a little bit easier as well. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about what is going to change with dispensaries and a few other critical patient updates. First, a quick message. This episode of the Vermont Awana podcast is brought to you by Hemp History Week and the Hemp History Week happening Friday, June 9th at Foam Brewery on the Burlington waterfront. We're going to be there with our friends from the Vermont Hemp Company and many more uh, celebrating, mixing, talking about hemp. Hemp history in Vermont is one of the most interesting topics out there. It started back in the early 19th century with the St. Johnsbury Hemp Company um, and actually led directly to the invention of the Fairbanks, then eventually known as the Platform Scales. So hemp history in Vermont is incredibly rich and it's being rewritten and added to right now in real time. So come be a part of history. Uh, talk to the folks who are shaping it and come hang out with us Friday, June 9th at Foam Brewery in the afternoon. Check the Hedy Vermont Facebook for details and grow hemp, folks. All right, we're going to talk about the other part of S16, which is changing the state dispensary system. To back it up, there are presently four dispensary licenses that exist in the state of Vermont. The law only allows for four of them to exist. They are owned by three different entities, okay? So we have a dispensary in Brattleboro, Vermont, one in Brandon, one in Montpelier, and then one in Burlington. With S16, there will now be an additional license that will be granted, bringing the total up to five. And then, once the number of registered patients in the state reaches 7,000, there will be a sixth dispensary license that will be allocated. This is big news um, because these dispensaries not only will increase the patient access and increase the uh, amount of medical marijuana being being sold to patients around the state and the number of patients, but these dispensaries are all going to be converting into for-profit businesses, which for a lot of different reasons, I actually think is very positive. Um, the dispensaries have argued that the only way they can make money as nonprofits is by charging patients more. That's correct in that they can't sell off any equity and that as a nonprofit you are restricted in things you can do. Uh, as far as how they spend their money, you know, that's their business and not mine. But there are new storefronts, there are new extractor equipments, there's a lot of new marketing money. Uh, so these dispensaries have been operating basically as for-profits anyways. Um, so allowing them to be for-profits makes a lot of sense and does give them an opportunity to, as they say, bring in some investment, sell some equity, and then lower prices for patients. So I look forward to seeing that happen um, with for-profit dispensaries. Not just the four that exist now, but the fifth that will come online, and then the sixth which will come online once there are 7,000 patients. Now as far as the patient numbers go, they grew 40% with the addition of chronic pain. So right now there are around 4,000, I think, patients registered. Getting to 7,000, you know, I think that could happen by by the middle of 2018. You know, that could be that could be the case by July of next year. Could happen even quicker. Again, we're way behind population-wise on what percentage of our population are registered patients, especially when you consider how old Vermont's population is. You know, most medical patients who are registered are over the age of 50. They're like 55 and um, doing it for a variety of reasons. So there's a lot of room to grow. And having at least these two new licenses granted is a very positive thing. It's going to help patients. Um, in addition to the new dispensary license that is immediately up for grabs, each dispensary license holder, there will now be five, is allowed to will be allowed to open up one additional location, a satellite location. So that means that we're effectively going from four dispensary locations to 10 dispensary locations. If you want to hear about where I think they should go and why, you should go over and check out HeddyVermont.com because we actually did um, a cool project with a map and sort of ranked by different factors where all these different dispensaries should go. I'll give you a sneak peek. I think the first one should be in Bennington. I think the second one should be in Linden. Yes, that's right, I said Linden. 
Um, a couple more curveballs that are in there. So check that out over at eddievermont.com. But again, um, this is a big change, but it's one that I think makes a lot of sense as far as dispensaries being allowed to be for profit. We have something to gain at Hedy Vermont, definitely, because as for profit businesses, they could choose to advertise with us. We don't currently get any money from them. Um, we have worked with them in some events in the past, although not dispensaries. We've worked with uh, with other you know cannabis businesses. So you know it's something that will certainly potentially benefit us. Um, but you know dispensaries are on the record saying that if we are for profit businesses, we'll be able to lower costs. Will they do that? I think so. I certainly hope so. But guess what? We're all going to find out right now. Um, if there were excuses before, they are gone because operating a dispensary should have just gotten a lot easier. Um, or it's not easy ever, probably. I don't mean to say a lot easier, but um, it will change. And it will definitely be easier as a for-profit than it was as a non-profit. So the other major change with this law, um, again, is that patients are going to be able to, if you're a homegrown patient, you're going to be able to buy from a dispensary. If you're a dispensary patient, you are going to be able to grow at home. So dispensaries are pumped about that. They'll be able to sell to homegrown patients. Um, patients and homegrown advocates should also be pumped about that because it means that if you are a dispensary patient and you're sick and tired of, you know, paying for flour and want to grow your own, you will now be able to do that. Um, so we'll see what happens. And maybe, you know, there are people who, there are more people who are going to grow at home who are patients now um, and start spending less money at dispensaries. Uh, that all remains to be seen. I, I think there's a lot of things that dispensaries offer that people just won't do at home um, or can't do at home at the same level, especially when it comes to infused products, when it comes to edibles, uh, things like that, and, you know, some of the specific strains too. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, again, overall, S16 is making some important additions. Uh, I think a lot of the time people are focusing a lot on the dispensaries, um, especially people who, you know, listen to Vermont on a podcast, people who read Hedy Vermont, who are passionate and know about this stuff. You know, there is a sense of anger and frustration that the state goes out of their way to essentially protect this small group of, you know, wealthy business operators who are controlling 100% of the state's medical marijuana program. Um, there is justification in being frustrated, you know, but that's the system that exists. And the fact that there's no competition um, doesn't have to do with the dispensary operators themselves. It has to do with the Department of Public Safety. And I will tell you what, if the dispensaries could choose to be regulated and overseen by somebody else, they would love that. They would love that. So, you know, the bigger picture, um, what we are going to continue to advocate for via Hedy Vermont um, and me as an individual is that the Department of Public Safety, who are law enforcement, should not be the ones who are overseeing the state's medical marijuana program. I think that's a very basic thing, and I think people can understand why police should not be in charge of the medical marijuana program. They have a direct incentive um, and a cultural, you know, foundational opposition to cannabis, and will do everything and anything, you know, to keep it from spreading. You know, so when it comes to patients, we're supposed to be able to get three ounces. That was one thing that was included in this law that was not passed. It had to be knocked out in order for this to pass. Patients right now can only get two ounces, and they can only grow two mature plants at home. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, that's a fraction of what any random person in Massachusetts and Maine can do, whether they have cancer or not. You know, so the fact that you as a sick person in Vermont with MS or HIV or cancer or, you know, chronic pain or, you know, Crohn's disease or Parkinson's disease, that you don't, you have less rights than any random healthy, you know, 22-year-old mass hole, you know, or Mainer, um, is really, it's, it's really tragic. Um, it's too bad. But again, for people who are frustrated in that system, that's what it took to get it set up in 2004. You know, the regimes have changed quite a few times. I think that the people who are working on it then uh, had to go a long way, and I think the people who are working on it now have really just stuck with the status quo. So I don't see Department of Public Safety changing their tune anytime soon. 
uh, especially with Governor Scott and how comfortable and cozy he is with law enforcement. But to his credit, he did not veto this bill. Um, so I guess he has some political sense. Um, not that much, or he'd be up there having a press conference today talking about how he signed it, but probably couldn't talk to or find any cannabis advocates who wanted to come stand up there with him or his staff were not uh, thinking about it. So, you know, miss on his part, he's maybe not so great at this politics thing as the governor, but he didn't veto the medical marijuana bill, so guess what? That's a win right now in 2017 in Vermont. So again, S16, go check out the recap on HeddyVermont.com, on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash HeddyVermont. But again, we wanted to clarify and go through this bill um, piece by piece, point by point, talk about some of the bigger issues associated with it. The only one that we'll add that we did not before is that the Agency of Agriculture and Department of Public Safety are going to make a report, finally, a study commission, right, um, about testing. So that's something that the state is really trying to figure out. We'll see um, if it's going to be the Department of Ag who eventually does the testing or kind of how that's going to work. But uh, testing protocols are coming. At least a study of these protocols is coming. Um, and it's something I think we can expect the Agency of Agriculture to be taking a lot closer look at in the next few years. Only other note, and I'll leave this on a high note before we get into our featured interview, is that there's going to be a new website for the marijuana registry program. So you will no longer have to go to literally, right now, literally the same website to register as a sex offender or a medical marijuana patient, which sends a pretty strong message. So that's going to change. Thankfully, we're going to come back, talk about our featured interview with our buddy Kevin. You want to talk about medical marijuana um, and you want to talk about some of the therapeutic effects that the cannabis plant can have. Kevin is a perfect example, and we are pumped to talk to him right after the break. This episode of the Vermont Tawana Podcast is brought to you by Hetty Vermont, www.hettyvermont.com, your number one resource for the Vermont cannabis community. Whether you are interested in agricultural, industrial, hemp, CBD, health and wellness, culture and lifestyle, uh, whether you're interested in medical, you're a caregiver, uh, whether you're interested in politics and advocacy and getting involved, we got something for you. It's all fresh, local, organic at HeddyVermont.com. Check it out. We'll be rolling out some big news coming soon and uh, and getting even more people involved in an even more official way. But in the meantime, www.HeddyVermont, H-E-A-D-Y, Vermont.com. All right, so just some real quick context for this interview. Spoke with my friend Kevin a while ago, probably a month or two ago. It might have even been uh, back in March. So the legislative session was still going on. We weren't sure that the legalization bill was even going to come up, let alone be voted, let alone passed, let alone be vetoed. And there were some other things happening and being talked about in S-16. So we might have talked about it a little bit, but just a heads up that this was recorded before all of these things went into effect and the final version came out. So when we talk about S-16, that version, not the same as the one we talked about earlier today, but a lot of the conditions are. Without further ado, enjoy. All right, special guest today, we have Vermont Patient, who's also a consultant, and he's helped a lot of medical marijuana patients get signed up with their cards, given them advice about what's worked well for him. Special guest today from the Northeast Kingdom, live in studio. He's actually hosting it. This is Kevin. So Kevin, could you introduce yourself, say hi to everybody, and, uh, and tell us what brings us here today. Hey, how are we doing, Eli? My name is Kevin. I'm a uh, medical marijuana patient. I have been since uh, 2015. Um, I've also been working um, as a consultant for uh, the medical and uh, recreational uh, laws. Um, I'm here to uh, talk with you kind of about what's changing in the laws, uh, talk to you about what I do, um, and talk to you about the uh, medical program and what's happening, what's changing. Yep. So let's start with this. How old are you? Um, where are you from? And when did you become a registered medical marijuana patient? So I'm uh, 21 years old. Um, I'm up in the uh, Northeast Kingdom. I've lived here pretty much my whole life. Um, I obtained my... Uh... Well, what was the conversation like with your doctor first? You know, the kind of how did you, how did you broach that and, and what was his or her reaction? And how did you you know, manage to get your card, and then what'd you do after that? 
Well, it was actually my uh, pediatrician that I'd had most of my life. Um, and he was also the one who had worked closely with me during my uh, back issues um, and had seen and experienced himself uh, a growing frustration for uh, my lack of uh, medication um, and a resolution to my pain. Um, so when I brought up the medical marijuana to him, he realized that, you know, we have tried everything else. I literally... It's like, fuck it, please, man. This is making me look bad. Honestly, like, nothing is helping you. Honestly, that's what it was. And I had told him, <laughs> you know, I'm using this to treat my medicine. I want a legal card to protect me because it is working. I had told him that I was off. At that point, I was off opiates altogether. I was still taking non-opiate uh, painkillers. I can now say I'm off that altogether. Um, but at the time, I had told him I had stopped taking the opiates. Um, that the medicine, the medical marijuana, had uh, performed better than the prescribed, and that I just wanted the uh, legal protection. And he was willing to give it a shot. He, you know, looked over the forms and saw that it wasn't a prescription. It wasn't anything uh, binding to him. So he was willing to give it a go, and he filled out the card, or the uh, forms, and about a month later, I uh, got my card in the mail. That's wild. You know, I just talked to another... Uh... I know another Vermonter <clears throat> down in Chittenden County, and this individual, we talked a lot and was not someone who had a medical card, and just sent me, texted me a picture of the of the card, and was just like so excited, it's like, yes. oh my god, now I can actually go, like I don't have to worry about this, you know, this is someone with a family, and mm -hmm. you know, same deal, it sounds like you were just thrilled to kind of have that, that protection. Honestly, legal protection, and it's... It has already saved me, you know, just uh, there's been a time where I was pulled over um, and, you know, I had my medicine with me, showed them the card, and that was all it was. They didn't bother to search the car. They didn't look into it anymore because mm -hmm. I had that legal uh, medical card. So, you know, I could still be treating my, uh, you know, back pain with uh, marijuana without the medical card, but in that instant, I would have, you know, gotten the uh, civil... Uh, infraction and how to pay a ticket right so it is help um, well and you know again there's this whole this continuum right of ways that people do use marijuana therapeutically mm -hmm. only certain segment of that is legal currently yes as a medical patient yes you know so we've seen I think we talk a lot about the medical program because now you've been a patient for two years right mm -hmm. so you've been following the system closely following the politics closely very closely you understand pretty much where, where we're at legally. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, there's been a big increase in the last year. I think about 40% new patients who have yep. signed up with, with chronic pain as a qualifying condition for a lot of them. Roughly about 1,000, right? I think so. As reported on HeddyVermont.com. <laughs> <laughs> Always encourage you to check that out for all of your news information. Um, what are you... What do you sort of see happening in the medical program now? You had that friend who kind of put you on mm -hmm. and helped you realize this. You know, I see that you're, I know that you're active. You've written an op-ed for us mm -hmm. in the past on Hedy Vermont. You know, sort of, what do you see the next step being? Do you think there are a lot of new patients who are coming online? Are you trying to, sort of, what's your role going to be in this? Um, my role, specifically my role, um... I'm here to help patients uh, get connected with doctors who are willing to uh, fill out those forms so they can become a legal uh, medical marijuana patient. Um, I'm helping uh, patients um, get, uh, I know someone who um, will uh, help you uh, set up your uh, grow if you uh, opt for a home grow. Um, and with uh, S16, the uh, current medical marijuana bill, um, if that passes, it will allow both home grow and dispensary use. Um, I believe it's only about 20% of patients who are actively uh, home-growing right now. Right. So that other 80% will all have access. So it's going to be a lot of people who are going to want to start doing both. So I'm here to uh, help you get access to that. Yeah. Now, we were we were talking a little bit about this, you know, before because it does seem it, – it's cool be, that there are a lot of people who are in the, the medical marijuana community mm -hmm. is one that's very inclusive, mm -hmm. you know, and one that I think is always trying to broaden out. 
we're always you know, trying, trying to, to give people resources. Existing patients reach out to us. You know, we are a small group. There's you know less than four thousand of us. We have to all work together honestly. So reach out to your fellow medical marijuana Vermonters and and potential potential yes. ones. You know, I mean, people who you know who are experiencing that having chronic pain, yes. managing it with prescriptions that they want to get off of. Yes. You know, you're somebody who can tell them, look, I'm an example. My doctor, if your doctor wants to call my doctor, mm -hmm. you know, this is how it works for me. Yep, exactly. I want to go back a little bit and talk about that and sort of that community. Mm -hmm. Because I know one of the things that I hear is once you become a patient, there aren't a lot of resources, right? No. You get your card and then they say, these are the numbers for the dispensaries and this is what you can and can't do. Mm -hmm. Like, good luck, go get them. Um, now with the internet, there's a lot more information out there, yes. you know, and I know there are even websites where you can find a caregiver, yes. um, things like this. And on Facebook, people are really active, but I'm wondering how did you sort of figure out what worked best for you managing your pain? What was your sort of individual experience in figuring that out? And what sort of advice do you give to people who might become patients or are new patients and they're trying to figure out what works for them. Sort of what's that process like? And what you, however specific you want to get, as far as strain or, or type or tincture or whatever, you know, um, what did you find out worked for you and how did you figure it out? Um, to be honest with you, um, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a while. Even to this day, I'm always looking for that strand that is going to help my... Uh, um, condition the best. I'm always looking for something new to try and see what works. Um, I started out, you know, just smoking uh, different buds uh, because that was all that was available. Um, then I tried to figure out between uh, indica and sativa. And so, for you uh, listeners who don't know, uh, sativa is your uh, daytime uh, energetic high, and indica is more of the in the couch uh, relaxing right. and uh, watching television high. And so. I found as a uh, medical patient, um, indica was great at night because it relaxed my body and it helped me get to sleep, but sativa was great for the day because I was still energetic and able to get my daily chores done without getting couch locked and uh, not being able to do anything all day. Um, so I started with the bud, found my preferences between sativa and indica, and that's when I uh, got dispensary access. Um, for my chronic pain, I knew that I wanted to try uh, salves or uh, skin creams, um, and I found that they did work. Um, it feels kind of similar to Icy Hot, actually, where, you know, you don't get high off it, but you rub this cream on your, uh, for me, my back, or, you know, arthritis for your uh, wrists or mm -hmm. knuckles, um, and it gets a little hot, and it kind of relaxes them. Like 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 icy hot or kind of yeah. like vapor like Vicks vapor up or something Honestly, like that. It does. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I found that tinctures worked really well. They were uh, quick dosing, um, easy to. Uh, when you say a tincture, now that's something that's, but has been you know weed has been soaked in alcohol basically. Yes. To extract it, and a tincture is something like you drop on your tongue. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. Just yes. want to clarify. Not everyone knows what even the. The tinctures and the rubs and the balms, yes, yes. all that. So, okay. So, I found the tincture it was discreet, easy to use if I was on the go um, or somewhere that I couldn't be smoking in. Um, and then I found my love for edibles. Um, I found that uh, low dose edibles were great to have um, during the daytime because uh, on an edible, it, your uh, high lasts longer. So, the medicine was in my uh, body much longer during the day. Um, Time released. Yes, yes. Yep. And it made it easier when I was the passenger in a long car ride. I was able to uh, relax because for me, um, with my back, it's hard to sit for extended periods of time. So, you know, taking an edible before a three, four-hour car ride, I was finally able to start doing that again. Um, yep. See, that's such a practical. That's such a practical example. <laughs> you know, I think that people don't always don't always understand, and it's like only when you have the the freedom. To kind of experiment with that, you know, and get over the stigma yourself, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, because I'm, I'm sure you talked about getting pulled over and, and the, the cop not giving you a hard time. And I think that's probably how it actually works in reality. You know, I mean, at a policy level, the state police are not working with patients. 
Mm-mm. You know, however, like on a practical level, I think they I've never I've heard a lot of stories about them, you know, being very respectful of registered legal patients rights. Yes, yes. You know, but um I think that you know, having that flexibility to be able to try those different things. You also had the dispensary, mm-hmm. which that's kind of huge. I mean, now I think more people are experimenting at home, and right. there's a lot more information out there, right. and people are, know how to make their own tinctures and salves and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's sped up a lot more in the last two years. Mm-hmm. So that was also a big part of it for you to have that dispensary access oh, and absolutely. know this is a sativa. Mm-hmm. Because it's been tested. And labeled. Or like, yeah. I like the THCA that's in this strain. Mm-hmm. And it's also in this strain, so I'm going to try that. Yes. Right? Yes. So, I mean, that seems like they, they, they plays an important part having a, a system which can actually qualify this stuff. Yes. And you know. Tested, and, they know what they're doing. You know, I can make a really nice batch of edibles myself, but I would rather go to the dispensary because I know that it's in, um, in a tested certified kitchen. I know that you know, what is weighed out for my uh, dosage, it's going to be correct, you know, better than what I could do at home. Um, And honestly, they have a wider selection and more flavors because, you know, I could buy one or two of each different kind of cookie instead of making, you know, a whole batch of just one cookie. So it just, it makes more sense to go to a dispensary. Yeah. Um, So you you talked about, I mean, the edibles for... For patients, mm-hmm. something that just makes makes a ton of sense. Um, and again, we kind of touched on this before. Maybe we'll go back to it. You, as someone who's learned kind of how to navigate this system, because it has sincerely worked for you, mm-hmm. you know, and who's learned a little bit about these products, a little bit about sort of the cultivation process too. You know, what you're trying to do now is where I think a lot of people, especially patients, are coming in trying to be consultants, Mm -hmm. trying to be caregivers, you know, sharing the information and the expertise that they have, Mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people understand there's, there's a huge demand for it. Um, so you touched on this, you're going to be sort of, what kind of services are you going to, are you going to offer? Um, and can, and how, how can people reach out to you? Do you have an idea for the, for the name, the consulting name or anything yet? Or, (laughs) you know, I guess you don't have to give any of this away. Yeah. You don't need to give trade secrets away, but. I guess that's something uh, I'll have to think about um, in terms of uh, reaching me. Um, Just don't use the word green in it, please. It's like, and don't use a polyp as the logo. No, something original, right? Um, I think we'll throw a uh, link in the description or uh, something on a way to uh, reach me. Cool. We'll cool. Back to that. We can do. We, we can definitely do that. And people, you know, we're we're starting as Hetty Vermont. We're in a similar position. I mean, we're kind of riding the wave with everyone else mm-hmm. as far as what kind of information people are looking for, you know, what kind of resources are really effective in helping them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, I think the most effective is, is just connecting people with people, you Absolutely. know, and if you get people into that small group or even one-on-one situation and you have somebody who's a, a patient, you know, who can even just show them like, look, this is a joint, you know, here's a joint rolling machine. Yeah. Here's how you use it. I mean, consulting can be anything as simple as, as that. Yeah, teaching someone how to roll a joint, you know, because a lot of the patients I've met, they're old enough to be my parents or grandparents' age. And we it's talk not... about we talk about this with the dispensary. These people are in their fifties and sixties mm-hmm. mostly. It's it's boomers. It's all it boomers. Really is. Dude. And people don't expect that. They think it's all people my age who are getting medical cards just as an excuse, but it's not it's so far from the truth. I have met people in wheelchairs as they're you know, leaving the dispensary and I'm coming in, I've spoken to, with people who are uh, currently in cancer treatment. It's, it is not, you know, it's, it's really sick people and older people too. Yeah. And I think that's the, the biggest dem- growing demographic are, are boomers and older, mm-hmm. you know, in Canada, two thirds of the medical requests are for arthritis. Wow. I didn't know that. It's wild. And now there's a lot more that's coming out as far as research about sort of, um, <clears throat> pathways in your brain mm-hmm. and how cannabinoids can affect some of those those pathways and um, why it's helped a lot of different strains and a lot of different varieties. There's been a lot of different research, but things like traumatic brain injury, um, some neurological disorders like MS, people get a lot of see, um, mm. Parkinson's as well. Parkinson's, right. 
you know, so it's, it's interesting and wild to see how that's evolving. And even I know studies on Alzheimer's and dementia. Yes. That's been, you know, right. Pretty recent. It's, it's, I, I can't say enough. Um, it's still so new, but, um, that looks promising in that direction as well. Yeah. So, you know, uh, being a, being a patient, having that, having that perspective and sort of confirming that, you know, I really do think one of the biggest things is just the stigma factor, mm-hmm. you know, and that the more patients do speak out and, you know, the more that it's, it's also people with whom potential patients can identify. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. so like my mom is like, she's not going to be pumped on Snoop Dogg, but Willie Nelson, yeah. maybe more so, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I don't know, it always kind of makes me think about who those, who those people are in Vermont, you know, that are sort of representative of that generation more and how they kind of get involved, you know, like Lieutenant government, Lieutenant Governor Zuckerman's a, you know, he's a Gen Xer, yeah. you know, he's, he's sort of at the tail end of that, but you know, from the boomer class, kind of who those, you need to get like Ben and Jerry in on it, Ben and Jerry, those, those heads would be good. I mean, a lot of folks from the VTCC, the cannabis collaborative, yep. you know, who are out there putting their names out there. You know, Will Rapp from Gardner Supply yeah, in the Intervale, Alan Newman from Magic Hat. Yeah. You know, there are some there are some older <laughs> some older white folks out there in Vermont sort of beating the drum. But, you know, from the medical perspective, they're the ones with the most to gain. They're the biggest part of the population. Mm-hmm. We're the oldest state in the country. Yep. You know, so I think that people have and especially even us, you know, our audience our heady Vermont audience can sometimes uh, skew a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. But it's also you'd be surprised the folks in our demo who are older really yeah yeah and who are people who are like cannabis curious yeah. and probably should be patients and they're, they're you know learning. and just need to make that connection and kind of get over that it. hump you know and i and i'm willing to help whoever's listening as well i've helped patients just as simple as filling out the forms because it's too much for them to you know understand and process um guiding them to uh, the different dispensaries and finding which one's closest to you um you know, a lot of them have delivery services now they too. They do too. They do. Um, the hard part is that you can't test. You can't go from one dispensary to another to another. Yes. You know that to me. That's my biggest gripe with with S sixteen where it's at now. There are a lot of other things I'd like to see changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the allowing more new dispensaries to operate is good, just because the system is being stressed already, mm-hmm. and we see with the numbers how fast it's growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you know we could easily have another 2,000 patients in Vermont by the end of next year. I think so. If we continue by 40%, and if uh, we expand the way we're uh, doing with S16, I think so. I think also with the uh, yeah. expansion of the uh, dispensary limit, that will open up. Uh, but again, you know, the patient's not being able to go from dispensary A, mm-hmm. I want to go here and buy this bud, you know, because I have a friend who's a patient there and they loved it. Yeah. But dispensary B, I want to go and try this topical salve because I know another patient or I read a review on HeddyVermont.com, someone who said this really worked for me. And you can't do that. And, I and you can't do that. 30 days right now. Right. And so I think they got to figure out a way, even if it's just a compromise in the meantime, you know, where people can at least go and you get to go into each different dispensary X amount of times. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've talked about this a lot. What they really need is just an effective card. That's not just your ID card, but that's a swiper. Yeah. Right. So, so just have a little bit of info, how much you've bought that month, how much you've bought that month, what your patient ID number is. It doesn't even have to have your name on it. It's easily trackable. So, you know, so would... easy. The Department of Liquor just spent a bunch of money outfitting all of their IT systems to do a different new kind of tracking. And like, I know politicians don't want to hear about the government getting into IT projects after like Vermont Health Connect, mm-hmm. but this one is so fucking basic to have a card that patients could take and you could very easily there's only four terminals in the state there's only four dispensaries right. I so mean, can, it's not like it's that hard to put technology in all of the outlets they're already that you could at go pharmacies in. so why can't they track at the dispensaries that and they, make sense. they are tracking at pharmacies exactly they track you know you can't go pharmacy shopping going from one to another because it's notified so why can't they do that between these? you're right Four dispensaries? That's four buildings. Well, and it's not that, you know, and it's not that people should have to get in, like, a database and it has to be a government one, but even, like... I'd rather have no database. I mean, give me, like, a fucking arcade card with stored value on it. This is not... Yeah, a punch card. I mean, again, like you said, there are only four dispensaries right now, so... To to me, that's... By the same person, so, I mean, it would would not be that hard to 
I'm sure. And I'm, I'm well, and for all of them, it's like you know they have no reason to. I know that all they're only four, and they don't. Well, they're only three entities controlling four, mm-hmm. and even the three of them only get along so well. You know, there's kind of two together and one who who does her own thing. Yeah, but it seems to me that they're missing out on such a huge opportunity. You know that they could be sharing more genetics. I know now they're allowed to sell and buy weed from each other, which is good to help out with supply control. Um, And I want them to have way more capacity to grow than they do now because that would really help lower Lower the prices, prices. you know, on patients. So I think there's a lot of things that we agree with, you know, as far as being in support of dispensaries expanding and doing what they do and doing it even better. But that's the one thing. Patients not being able to go from one dispensary to another and the answer being that we don't have the technology to track their purchases. Like, give me a break. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, where we're at now, you've talked to your representatives. Let's talk just quickly about um, some of the other bills. You know, you're a medical patient. You're kind of interested in seeing that expand. Mm-hmm. You know, if you ever start doing consulting as a business, that's something that would help you. Oh, it definitely But has. what do you think about broader legalization and you know, the, the tax and regulate bill that's on the, that's on the table now. Um, I'm certainly excited for that too. Um, you know, I've spoken with, uh, my house, uh, and, uh, my uh, house representatives, um, about this bill, um, and they seem to be having, uh, support for it. Uh, it's looking positive. Um, I think it's a step in the right direction. I think last year we, uh, kind of started, uh, put our feet in the water too quickly. Um, and should have uh, taken a step back and uh, thought about how we wanted to do it and made sure it was the uh, Vermont way instead of uh, this uh, regulated uh, system that we had tried last year. I think the I think the political circumstances were very different, you know, at the time, especially with Governor Shumlin being on his way out and being so supportive. Yes, they it, all thought it was a no-brainer. You know, I think it's going to be interesting right now. You're somebody who follows politics closely. Mm-hmm. We just heard Governor Scott on... Vermont edition on Friday, talking about this. Still not happy. Still, still not happy. Um, you know, I was, I was on there saying, I, I don't know. Maybe we'll play the, maybe we'll play the footage yeah. on this episode, depending on if EPR gives us permission or not. But um, I was on there saying I was pretty disappointed in his stance. But politically, there's all this other stuff happening with the budget, him making this claim of pretty much no new taxes but still trying to have a, a balanced budget mm-hmm. and basically just making the legislature put it all together. So, I, I mean, things are kind of a shit show right now, and there's a lot going on, and I don't think it's clear sort of where the levers of power are and who's got leverage over over whom in all of the different branches. But I think we see the Senate pretty firmly in support of, of all of this reform. Yep. Smaller group who are, they've, they've spent a lot more time than a lot of the House members. Um you know, but I think it'll be interesting to see if there's more kind of what the support is from the parties, yes. too. Because I know Chittenden, uh, the Democrats in Vermont just elected a new uh, a new party leader, um, Fassel Gill. Mm-hmm. Names rhyme, his name rhymes with Castle, <laughs> as, seven, <laughs> as Seven Days quoted. I talked to him about weed back when he was a Chittenden County Senate yeah. candidate and uh, didn't really seem to be too into it. But we'll see. So it's, it'll be interesting to see, and if there are any moderate Republicans, I know libertarians supported legalization to do, to a degree, yep. and I think they still do now. They believe in you know the state's right. Shout out to Paul Dame, former Essex representative. Mm-hmm. You know he was certainly a lover of liberty. <laughs> um, we had some good libertarian political discussions, and he was someone who was more open minded. I think in part because he was one of the younger representatives. You know, so I think a lot remains to be seen politically, but. Um, Appreciate appreciate your time. Sort of, if we want to end on one final one final piece of advice, you know, for people who are cannabis curious, think, hey, I've, I've I'm on painkillers right now, or I've been prescribed sleeping pills. You know, I want to get off them off of them. If you could give them one or two pieces of advice to kind of take to their doctor or or ways to help them get over the hump, what would it be? Um, give it a try. Um, don't be afraid of what your doctor is going to think. I've had a lot of people ask me that they're afraid to say something to their doctor because they don't want them to think that they're a drug addict or they will stop taking them seriously. The, all the doctors that I've ever spoken to about my medical marijuana, and marijuana in general, have been very supportive of it. They um, are happy that it's working. Um, and, you know, if you show them how it's working, 
if you are using it currently and see that it's helping your medical uh, ailments, if you uh, show them that it's working, then, you know, just, just bring it up and see what they have to say. Asking them is better than not asking them. Very good advice. Very good advice. I know that's something that could help one of my family members who had the same doctor for 20 years, asked her about medical marijuana and was so put off by the reaction. You know, it's just like this doctor who she thought she had a really close relationship with, you know, just all of a sudden had such a negative reaction to it, you know, but I think you, that encouragement is really, is really good because that's what you, that's what you have to do. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of people's you know? biggest fear, but it's, it's the first step to get your card. Your doctor out. already knows every single thing about you. Exactly. You know, they've seen the inside of your body. You know, literally, they've been inside of your body probably in one way or another. <laughs> like, they know you the most intimately. You shouldn't be afraid to ask them about medical marijuana. It's not taboo. Just bring it up. Very good. All right. Thank you very much, Kevin. Thank you. Wow. All right. Well, my sincere thanks again to, uh, again to Kevin. You know, he's got an amazing story. A couple different things just really stand out about Kevin's story. You know, the fact that he is so conscious about the danger of opiates is something that I think people did not have 10 years ago. Certainly, I'm like eight years older than Kevin, was never in my consciousness growing up where I thought that a root canal could turn into a life-ruining addiction. Um, but, you know, I mean, I guess it's good in a way that people are more aware of this um, and that people are even at a younger age seeking out non-narcotic, non-opiate solutions to serious pain management issues that they're having. Um, whether they're incredibly severe, you know, like Kevin's with his, with his back injuries and all the surgeries that he's had to have, or something as simple as, um, you know, arthritis and, and major inflammation issues. You know, I think that people are clearly showing that they would rather have plants instead of pills. So, um, you know, again, really a big thank you to Kevin. His story is outstanding. He not only talks the talk, but he walks the walk. Um, he's out there doing it. And, uh, and helping a lot of patients. Unfortunately, no longer in Maine, um, but our props to him. Maybe we'll talk to him at some point in the future and check in about what's it like working in the legal cannabis industry in another state, if he ever thinks he'll be able to come back to Vermont, um, and some of his experiences. But in the meantime, thank you again for tuning in. This has been another episode of the Vermont Tawana Podcast. We will be talking more about medical adult use, agricultural hemp, gondrepreneurism, and political advocacy coming up Stay tuned, make sure you subscribe, share it with a friend, and follow Hetty Vermont. See y'all soon. Elevate the state.